November 2006, Fort Myers, Florida, newborn Brian Dos Santos Gomes was out with his mother, her friend and her friend's infant baby. They were waiting for a bus to take them home from a hospital checkup. This is when a woman in a black SUV pulled up beside them to ask for directions. She was lost and trying to get to her mother's home. Believing the best and wanting to help the distressed woman, Maria, her friend and the two babies got inside the woman's car to guide her to her destination. Little did they know they were headed towards a nightmare that would never end and baby Brian would be abducted, never to be seen again. This is Brian's story. Brian Dos Santos Gomes was born November 3, 2006, to parents 23-year-old Maria de Fatima Ramos Dos Santos and 26-year-old Herendia Gomes Costa. Maria and Herendia were illegal immigrants from a small village in Brazil. In 2004, Maria and Herendia decided they wanted to make better lives for themselves before they had children. But given their limited options, they chose a dangerous route to move to the United States to chase the great American dream. They would pay human smugglers, or coyotes, as Maria and Herendia would later call them in media interviews. They would pay these coyotes to transport them illegally into the United States. Now, in general, how this transaction works. Before you leave your original home, you pay the smugglers half the agreed-upon money. Then when you get to wherever you wanted to go, you pay them the second half. And that's exactly what Maria believed had happened. But for whatever reason, after the couple arrived in Fort Myers, a working-class neighbourhood in southwest Florida, Herendia did not pay the smugglers the rest of what was owed. From what I understand, it was a few hundred dollars. Maybe not much for you and me, but it most likely seemed like a massive amount of money for the newly arrived immigrants, who would have struggled to find work or a decent paying job without a green card or visa. Fast forward to 2006, and the couple welcomed their first child into their family. I imagine they would have been in a little love bubble with their new bundle of joy, who was so incredibly adorable in many of the photos that Maria and Herendia had taken. He had chubby little cheeks and such gorgeous dark brown eyes that would just melt your heart. The family lived in Tropical Trailer Park, which was located on Cleveland and Linehart Avenues, Unit 43. And they developed a support team around them of friends who became more like family to the young couple. Maria found work as a house cleaner, however was not working at the time of Brian's disappearance, and Herendia had secured employment as a field worker. Friday, December 1st, 2006, around 4.50pm, Maria and her friend Janice Duarte were waiting for a bus together outside of a hospital in Fort Myers with their young babies. Both had bonded over having young children, Maria with 28-day-old Brian and Janice with her eight-month-old baby. Both women only spoke Portuguese, so just having someone who understood the struggles each other were facing would have helped those post-pregnancy emotions immeasurably. 
While Maria and Janice waited for the bus with their children, a motor vehicle stopped in front of them. The car would later be described as being a black two-door 1998-2003 Ford Explorer SUV with older peeling window tint. Driving the SUV was a heavy-set Hispanic or white woman, aged in her late 20s to early 30s, with long straight black hair, that according to the Charlie Project, was partially pulled up into a bun. This woman was wearing blue jeans and a black blouse. This woman spoke Spanish, and she asked the two mothers if they could guide her in the direction of the Pine Manor neighbourhood where her mother lived, that she'd been driving around for eight hours and was still unable to find it. Now, Maria had lived in Pine Manor previously, so she knew where it was and she gave the woman directions. It was now the bus Maria and Janice had been waiting for arrived. So they got on the bus with their babies and left to take them home to the tropical trailer park. When they got off, they realised the woman in the black SUV had followed the bus. She pulled up and again asked the two mothers for directions, but this time she wanted them to get into her vehicle. Now this all would have set off so many red flags for me. Being raised on a diet of true crime documentaries and podcasts, This seems like the start of a situation that would never end well. But for Maria and Janice, they wanted to think the best. That here was this poor woman who just wanted to get to her mother. The woman pleaded with them. She cried and she begged. She even offered them money. The mothers were obviously cautious because they had never seen this woman before. But then they saw the baby car seat in the back of the car in a diaper bag. This woman must have been a mother herself, so any apprehensions Maria and Janice might have had seemed to dissipate, and they agreed to show the woman where to go. Everything seemed fine. The woman even borrowed Janice's cell phone to call her mother twice, and with that they showed the woman the way to Pine Manor. It was then the woman abruptly turned the car around and headed in the opposite direction. She pulled a knife and demanded that they give her $500, or else she would kill Maria, who was sitting in the front passenger seat. The woman said she was going to Tampa, Florida, but not to tell the police this, or she would have to harm the women's families. She added if the police stopped them at any point, the women had to claim they all already knew each other, or else again she would harm the women's families. The woman then stopped on the side of the road near the village housing department off Three Oaks Parkway. She ordered Janice, her baby and Maria out of the vehicle, but refused to let Maria have her son, saying that she was taking him. She ordered Maria and Janice to wait 10 minutes before calling anyone. She threatened, quote, I have killed before and I will kill again, unquote. Then she drove off taking baby Brian with her. Neither Brian nor the woman have ever been seen again. Maria would do as she was told, terrified the woman would hurt her baby. She called a friend to pick her up and the police were contacted. An Amber Alert being issued around 7 that night. Police were confident they would find baby Brian quickly as there had been 12 infant abductions nationwide in 2006, with only one not being found. 
the odds were in their favour that Brian would be returned to his parents safely. When being interviewed by police, Maria and Herendia were completely upfront and honest about their immigration status. They wanted to do anything possible to get Brian back, even though they didn't believe the two were related. But this is when Herendia revealed that they owed the coyotes money. Now police took this information and ran with it. At first, police theorised it was the smugglers who were behind the kidnapping. Police Chief Hilton Daniels would state in the initial press conference, quote, We don't want the public to believe we have a deranged woman running around Lee County kidnapping babies if we have another motive. Are we ruling that out totally 100%? No, it could very well be that way. But we believe right now that the motive is smuggling, unquote. If the smuggling ring was involved, no one wanted to talk. Immigrants who have been brought over by these people aren't going to come forward because they don't want to be deported or have the coyotes retaliate. Maria and her India did speak to the people who were responsible for bringing them to the United States, and they assured them that there was no way they were involved. That, of course, they wanted their money back in a timely manner, but they weren't about to take or harm a newborn baby. Now, one of the enforcers in this smuggling ring, who was also an acquaintance of Maria's, Walter Kohol, was arrested and questioned about his involvement in Brian's abduction. But police could not find any evidence to link him to the baby, and he was eventually deported back to his home country of Brazil without being charged with any crimes. Police would then turn their focus to Maria and Herendia. They would accuse the couple of making up the whole abduction story, and instead that they were responsible for disappearing their son. Another theory police were considering at this point was that Maria and Herendia sold Brian, which was obviously adamantly denied. Police took Maria's clothes from the day of the abduction, as well as Brian's clothes from the day before, to be forensically tested. Maria and Herendia also took polygraphs voluntarily. They never officially confirmed how they went or if they passed, but Maria does openly admit in an interview there were quote-unquote problems with the answers to some of the questions. Now, the test was completed through a translator. As I said earlier, neither Maria nor Herendia spoke English, but this shouldn't make a difference in the polygraph results as long as the translator translates the exact questions the examiner is asking. These problems may mean the test results were either inconclusive or deceptive. However, I don't think anything significant did come out of this line of investigation, because it appears to be quickly dropped and never mentioned again. Now, regular listeners to this podcast would know I'm very dubious of polygraph tests, and I would never agree to sit for one myself. I would take any problems in Maria and Herendia's polygraph tests with a grain of salt. I really don't feel they carry any weight. In my opinion, I believe Maria's version of events. She had a witness there and her friend Janice. I just don't believe Maria and Herendia were involved in their son's kidnapping in any way, not intentionally anyway. The couple were fully cooperative with the police right throughout the investigation. 
the couple even transforming their own Ford Explorer into a wanted poster on wheels. Its windows were covered with photos of Brian and the sketch of the suspect. Maria told the Naples Daily News, quote, We think someone is going to see her and is going to contact us. I have faith in God that my baby will be back, unquote. Finally, police settled on the theory that seems to be widely accepted as the most likely scenario to this day. That Brian's kidnapping was a random crime, a crime of opportunity, most likely by someone who was recently pregnant and either had a miscarriage or stillbirth. In the days after Brian went missing, another Fort Myers woman contacted the police to report a similar incident happening to her. That on the day Brian was taken, she was taking her grandchild for a walk to help him settle to sleep. She was approached by a woman in a black SUV asking her for directions. Now the grandmother and Maria would both pick the same person out of a photo lineup, and even though the woman they identified would later be cleared of any involvement, the two incidents were just too similar for investigators to ignore, and they believe the same woman was involved in Brian's abduction and this potentially near abduction. And not only do investigators have a sketch of the suspect and what car she drove, they are in the unique position to have a recording of her voice as well. As I mentioned earlier, the kidnapper used Janice's phone to call who she said was her mother, but the call was actually made to an area business. And while the kidnapper pretended to have a conversation with her mother, she was actually leaving a message on the business's answering machine. The name of this business has never been revealed because it is not known if the number was just random dialing or a significant place to the kidnapper. Was she leaving a coded message to an accomplice? We don't know, and police have kept a lot of information surrounding this message close to their chest. I would assume this is because this is the closest they've got to the kidnapper in over 15 years. We also know she called this number twice, but it cannot be ruled out that she made the second call through the use of the redial button, leaving the business she called just a random selection of numbers to help keep up her ruse. A task force of local, state and federal investigators have received more than 3,000 tips in the 15 years since Brian was taken. Almost all were dead ends. A $21,000 reward is on offer for any information that leads to Brian's safe return. According to Police Chief Daniels, quote, This investigation has not stalled. We have not stopped. We have not slowed down in our search for Brian. Unquote. In addition to the task force investigators, police were also aided by personnel from the National Centre for Missing and Exploited Children, as well as local church groups, handing out flyers in both Tampa and Miami. Quote, this is the kind of help that can really make a difference. Unquote. But the investigation did face its challenges. A community that were wary of police because of their immigration status and the talk of human smugglers' potential involvement. There was a language barrier, with a significant portion of the population of Fort Myers coming from a non-English-speaking background. 
Also back then, fewer people had surveillance cameras and fewer people used social media. All of this made the investigators' job that much harder. Quote, Detectives continue to check every available lead. We can then go back and re-interview witnesses when we can find them. We'll use age-progressed photos. Unquote. In December 2021, the National Centre for Missing and Exploited Children created an age-progressed photo of what Brian may look like at age 15. We will provide this photo on our Facebook page. What the investigators hope is that now being 15, Brian may soon be trying to get a driver's licence or permit, and that the use of a fake birth certificate could spark a red flag. Maria has also supplied a DNA sample on a database called the Family Tree, so if any point Brian submits his own DNA, it will show a match. Maria and Herendia would go on to have two more children after Brian disappeared. They pray every day that their firstborn will come home. Quote, The kids ask me, Mum, why isn't Brian here? You don't know where Brian is. And I told them, I don't know. But God always knows where he is and takes care of him. And I believe that one day he will bring him back. Unquote. Herindia was arrested for driving without a licence in November of 2009 and was given over to the custody of immigration authorities the following month, pending deportation proceedings. He would be released from detention under a supervision order in June of 2010. Unfortunately, after this point, there doesn't appear to be any further information, despite Brian's Charlie Project profile being updated since then. It is not clear if Herendia was deported or not. Maria did state that if Herendia was deported, she would leave with the children too, and that leaving the United States would be like giving up on Brian and losing him all over again. The Charlie Project does mention Maria was trying to get U-visas for herself and her husband, and a U-visa is for victims of violent crimes and allows undocumented immigrants to remain in the United States legally for up to four years. This time period, even if they were successful, would now be expired. It remains unclear where Maria and Herendia live now. Brian Dos Santos Gomes was only 28 days old when he disappeared. He was 24 inches long and around 12 pounds. Brian is Hispanic of Brazilian descent, with black hair and dark brown eyes. If Brian is still alive today, he would be 15 years old. Brian's abductor was aged in her late 20s to early 30s at the time of Brian's disappearance. She is white or Hispanic, around 5 foot 4 and heavy set, with long straight black hair. She spoke Spanish during the abduction and authorities believe that she may have ties to either South America or Mexico, but she is possibly a second-generation immigrant, with English being her first language. At the time of Brian's abduction, she was driving a black two-door 1998-2003 Ford Explorer SUV with older peeling window tint. She is considered to be armed and dangerous. If you have any information about the disappearance of Brian Dos Santos Gomes, 
please contact the Fort Myers Police Department on 877-667-1296. If you have your own thoughts on the case we discussed today, or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives, please search Stolen Lives on Facebook. Like the page so you don't miss any episode and join the discussion group to share your ideas and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, and on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please share on your social media of choice and rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app. This week's episode was researched, written, hosted by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Thank you.